lovely worship. Thank you, Dave, for leading us. And uh, a throwback to the 80s, isn't it? Wonderful songs that came out there, scripture and song, uh, just worshiping the Lord. And uh, Julie, also for the good word that you've shared about uh, communion about Christ in the Old Testament. Can you all hear me? Yes. Yes. Right, well, I think I said once before that um, I love your name, Tidirangi Life Church, isn't it? TLC, Tender Loving Care. And I was thinking about this name just as we were worshipping. Tender Loving Care It's not just tender loving care that you express to people, but it's the tender loving care of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit over you. TLC, tender loving care. Names have meaning and significance and importance. We just sang about the name of Jesus. A name is a declaration over a person. It's a confession. You are this, or you are that. That's uh, when you see number plates, uh, when you have a number plate with a number eight, for example, lots of eights, you know that generally it's a Chinese person driving this because the number eight sounds like a word for, I think it is prosperity, life, something like this. And so 888 is a very good number. It's something that they are saying over themselves. Prosperity. Good life. And they avoid Numbers that sound like other words that talk about death. 444 would be a terrible number for, for a Chinese person to drive around in, in a car. Just like we would not drive a car that has got the name written over death, would you? No. Oh, 666. Oh, six, six, six. That's right. So, names are important. Some people don't like their name. They feel it's a handicap. We had a, a lady in our church. Her name was, her family name was Chicken. And uh, you can imagine what she went through as a child and uh, even through, through growing, you know, through, through her young adulthood or so. However, God is able to turn things around and he uses everything for good. And we don't know. This may have been a God-given name. Uh, because in her later year, there came a call from McDonald's in Australia. McDonald's in Australia were introducing chicken burger and chicken nuggets, a whole chicken line. And what did they want? They wanted lots of people with the name, the family name, Chicken, to introduce that in their advertisement. So they flew our friend, Mrs. Chicken, over to Australia with many others of her family and uh, there were, I think, 50 or 100 people there, all put up in a five-star hotel, beautiful meals, and, that, and then for five days they were doing filming of these advertisements. So it turned out really good to have that name, Chicken. Uh, lots of uh, chicken nuggets and chicken burger that were eaten there, probably not so good for it. Names are important. Names identify people. We are particular about our name. We want a good name. We don't want people to make a joke uh, with our name. God also is very particular about His name. He talks of His holy name, His glorious name, His wonderful name. He promised to make it glorious in Isaiah 63 verse 14. 
glorious by the way in which he leads his people. He is protective of his name. He reacts when shame is brought to his name, when his name is profaned. In Exodus 20, verse 7, he says this, you know this very well, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God is particular about his name. He will not hold him guiltless. And later on in Leviticus 24, there's a story about an Israelite man fighting with somebody else in the camp. And during this fight, he is blaspheming the name of the Lord. So they bring him to Moses. And Moses says, I'm going to ask the Lord what to do with him. And the Lord spoke to Moses in Leviticus 24 verse 13, saying, Take outside the camp him who is cursed. Then let all who heard him lay their hands on his head, and let all the congregation stone him. Stone him for blasphemy. The name of the Lord is holy. And God wanted respect for his name. We are to value God's name. Now I'm not saying that you should stone anybody, but uh, how often do you hear people blaspheme God's name? Blaspheme the name of Jesus. Blaspheme the name of the Father. Take the Lord's name in vain. Even things like, Oh my God. taking it in vain because it is using it when you don't actually mean to call on it. So we need to be serious. We need to value God's name. The same thing in the New Testament. The name of the Lord is to be highly, highly, highly valued. When Jesus taught us to pray, Matthew chapter 6, in verse 9, the Lord's Prayer which incidentally is supposed to be daily, our daily approach to prayer, because he talks there about the daily bread. So it is a daily thing. He says this, Our Father in Heaven, pray like this, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the first thing he mentions. The very first thing is about the honor of his name. That is to be our first concern in our prayer. Is it your first concern in your prayers? I wasn't asking you personally, but that's... that's (laughs) I was asking everybody. I was asking myself. Is it our first concern? God wants our first priority to be His name. To be Himself. Because when that comes in order... Everything else comes in order. And you will notice that if you read the uh, Lord's Prayer and you pray through it, the first three phrases are all about God. Your name, your kingdom, your will, and afterwards my needs. And not even my needs, but our needs. Mine is not mentioned in that prayer. It's interesting, isn't it? So today... We are going to talk about the name, because his name, because his name is important for us. Psalm 91 verse 14 says this. Hang on, let me turn to it. Psalm 91, wonderful psalm. I love the psalm. Psalm 91 verse 14. 
Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will send him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me. How do we do that? By calling on the name. And I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. He won't be without trouble, but I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and follow him. Long life, satisfy him and show him my salvation. I will set him on high because he has known my name. So today we're going to talk about God's name. But first question, which name are we going to talk about? We could talk about Elohim. That's the Hebrew word for God. And it occurs right at the beginning of the Bible in the very first verse. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. We could talk about that. Because that's God's first revelation of Himself. And there's an interesting thing already in that Elohim Namely, Elohim has got an im ending. In Hebrew, the im ending means plural. But then there is a singular verb, he created. So you've got a plural looking word for God with a singular verb, he did. And you'll find that later on in Genesis two, uh, 1 as well, where um, God says, let us make man. And then He made man. So you find the plurality of God and the singularity of God all in the first verse of the Bible. In that name for God, in the word for God, Elohim, it's already there. He is more than one. We know that, that He is three in one. We could talk about that in, in more detail. We could talk about El Shaddai, God Almighty. What that means to us, our Jehovah Rapha, God, our healer, Jehovah Tzidkenu, or today we had, uh, what was that, uh, Jehovah Jireh, God, my provider. We could talk about these. All these are important names that, are, that God has, and they mean something for us. They are denoting experiences for us in God that we can have. They're denoting what God is for us. But today we're going to talk about one other name. And that's the name that is most important for us. The name above all other names. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So come to Acts chapter 2 please. Acts chapter 2. To the climax of Peter's sermon. Oh, we've got it on the screen. Let's read that together. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter is taking them carefully in a sermon, taking the Israelites carefully through a procession of, he tells them first what happened with the Holy Spirit coming, then he tells them the origin of the Holy Spirit, how Jesus has, uh, has, has sent the Holy Spirit. He tells them what Jesus has done and how he was crucified, and he finishes on this, God has made this Jesus whom he, you crucified, both Lord and Christ. 
It's astonishing that this is the climax. The full revelation of His name. He is not just Jesus of Nazareth. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that name so important? I mean, we worship Him under that name. We praise that name. We trust and respect that name. We pray and bless in that name. We do all these things. And we know that there's no other name given under, under heaven by which man must be saved. Acts 4 verse 12. We know all that, but do we know why this name is actually so special? Well, I'll tell you why it's special. <clears throat> Very simple. It's the one name that perfectly expresses the nature and person of God. All of God. Three in one. Because just as in Jesus dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Colossians uh, 2 verse 9, so in His name is hidden the fullness of the Godhead. Just as He presents all of God on earth, He presented the Father and He presented the Holy Spirit who filled Him, so His name represents God. The whole, all of God, the whole Godhead. That's why it's special. So let's unpack that. First of all, we notice that it is a three-part name. Three always points to the Trinity. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's not the first time in the Bible that God uses a three-part name. Turn to Exodus 3. We have, oh, we have that on screen again. Exodus 3 in verse 13. <coughs> this is where Moses meets God at the burning bush. And Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. Amazing. I am. He is the only one who can truly say I am. Because he has always been, always will be. Moreover, and here comes a second answer that God gives. The first answer was, I am. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord, God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, who sent me to you. A threefold name. The God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Which is his name forever? Is it just the I am? Or is it also the God of Abraham, of Jacob, of, of um, Isaac. Isaac, and of Jacob? <clears throat> the threefold. <coughs> it's a threefold name relating to three persons. And interesting, again, we had today a talk on the significance of the whole Old Testament and pointing to Jesus. Here we've got something very similar. The, the name, of course, Abraham, Isaac, and, and uh, Jacob also point to the Godhead. There's the father who takes his beloved son, his only son, and who sacrifices that son. Then there's the son who is a willing sacrifice. He seems to be willing. He was a young man at the time. He lets himself be bound by his father. 
And, uh, and we know that uh, Hebrews says that in a figure, he was received back from the dead. He is a picture of Jesus Christ. And then there is another one, a third one, Jacob, who was a fruitful one. Out of him came the twelve sons, the twelve tribes, the whole nation of Israel. Just like the Holy Spirit filling the twelve apostles and through the twelve apostles bringing forth the whole church. So we have a father, a son, and a fruitful one. And the one who is also associated with change, which is what the Holy Spirit also does. Jacob, of course, being changed into Israel. Jacob being the one who experiences the grace of God. He has got a heart for God, but he goes about it the wrong way, and God changes him. And so we have a picture in this. There's a threefold name, a name that relates to three persons who are a picture of the Godhead, a type of the Godhead. So this is uh, the first time where God uses a three-part name. Then we go to Matthew 28, verse 18 to 19. And Jesus came, there's another three-part name, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Name is singular, and then you've got the three persons there. One name. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. One name, three persons. It's used today in most churches as a baptismal formula. You're very familiar with that, and I think, I think it's okay to use that. But did you know that the early church never did? At least not as recorded in the book of Acts. There's not a single instance recorded in the book of Acts, where people are baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? No. Well, you read Makes through sense. the book of Acts and you look. Makes sense. Not, not a single one. What are they baptized in? They're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, or the name of Jesus Christ, or just the name of the Lord. There are five instances... Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, or the name of the Lord. You put those two together, you have the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the name they were baptized in. Why does it say in Matthew, then? Very good point. How do you explain that? Very simply, in Him, in Christ, dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Not that He is the Father. He is not the Father. He is the Son. Yet He said, the Father and I are one. He yes. represented the Father. Represented him, yeah. And the Holy Spirit as well. The Holy Spirit, of course, filled Him. So, He is not the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He is only Son. But He represents the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, even in name. That's why this is a name above every other name. Great shame the name has been taken out of Parliament. Great shame. It's the name that has made Western nations great. The name and the principles, of course. We can pray it back in. We can do. We must never stop using that name. You know, some churches, uh, 
Some Christians do not like using that name anymore. Ashamed. We must never be ashamed of that name. I mean, we must not be weird about it either. Uh, but uh, he, he has the name above every name. So let's unpack this a little bit, those three parts of the name. First of all, Lord. God has made him Lord. <coughs> Acts 2, God has made him Lord and Christ. So Lord. Lord means two things. It means authority. And of course, Lord is also the name of the Father himself. The Jews would not call Caesar Lord because there was only one true Lord, God himself. But now, God, here in the New Testament, God the Father elevates the Son, who was born into humanity with human limitations, having the form of a servant, no power except the power of the Holy Spirit. God elevates this Son to be Lord. Lord. He gives him power, authority over everything. Matthew 28, we've just read it. All authority has been given to me. All authority. Total authority. The authority of the Father. Lord signifies that authority. The absolute authority the Father has. He gave to the Son. Not just that. Lord is the name of the Father. You read through the Old Testament. You have often Lord in capitals. That was the Greek translation of the Hebrew Yahweh or Jehovah, uh, the Greeks in the Septuagint translation that probably Jesus was using, and Paul often and others in the New Testament that were using the translation, the Greek translation. Every time you have Yahweh or Jehovah in the Old Testament, in the Greek version it says Lord. So that is what is quoted in the New Testament. He is called Lord. That is the name. That is His name. And God, the Father, gave Jesus His own name to use permanently. It's quite something. Quite something. Let's go to John 17. Just so that you believe me. What does He say there to the disciples? This is the prayer that Jesus prays just before He goes to the cross. And in this prayer... The last word, so to speak, before the cross, he reveals something about this name. He says this. He's talking to God. I've manifested your name to the man whom you have given me. I've manifested. How did he do that? By doing the works of God, the creative works of God. Taking clay, making it into seeing eyes. Uh, speaking and having control over the sea and the wind and, and nature. Uh, making alive that which was dead. He did the works of God. And also, of course, the preserving power of God, keeping His disciples through thick and thin. He is Lord. He manifested that name to the men <coughs> the Father had given to Him. Also, the next verses, uh, 11 to 12. Holy Father, keep through Your name those whom You have given Me. That's the... Um, uh, New King James Version. Most versions go by a different Greek text that says, Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me. What is the name of the Father he gave to the Son? There's only one name, the name Lord. Mm -hmm. 
And then verse 26, I've declared to them your name. And I will declare that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Which name is that again? The name of the Lord. Psalm 22, the psalm of the crucifixion and resurrection ministry of, of Christ. In verse 22 says the same thing. I will declare your name to my brethren. I will declare your name to my brethren. How do you do it? He has the name Lord and he declares it both in word and in deed. And the power. He manifested the Lordship of the Father. How do we respond to that name? Lord. What is to be our response? Well, we let him be Lord. It's simple. We let him be Lord. And of course, we do that with awe and respect, with trust and obedience. We bow the knee in complete surrender. There was a call today to, to that complete surrender. And that is to be our response when we meet with Him as Lord. He is Lord. That name actually levels us all. You know, it brings us all to the same level. He is Lord. We are down there. It also unifies us. It binds us together. We are under His Lordship. He is the only Lord. <coughs> The second name, Jesus. Jesus was the name given to him at birth. It means Savior. It is his own name. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, <coughs> 22, 21. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Joseph, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, Jesus, Yeshua, means Savior. He will save. He is the Savior. And very important name. It expresses who he is. It expresses his person. It expresses his ministry. It expresses why we can trust him. And what we can trust him for. We can trust Him to save us out of every situation we manage to get ourselves into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah? It's often not the enemy, it's the enemy within. Yeah. It gets us into all these situations. And we need a Savior. Not just the tricky situations, but also the sinful and shameful situations. He is the Savior. The one who loved us so much that He wanted to take our place. He came because He wanted to take our place. Wanted to live like us. Among us. Yet without sin. To help us. To teach us. And then to take our place in the judgment of God. The one who wanted to do this for you. Take your place in the judgment of God suffer for you to save you. That's all expressed in His name. He is Savior. He is Savior because that's what He did as Savior. He wanted to be merciful, forgive and restore. Never forget that. Never forget that. He wanted to be merciful, to forgive and to restore 
God loves you. Never forget that. The whole purpose of all of this here, all of it, is that God loves you. He's got an incredible love for you. An incredible love. To do what He did, God so loved the world, so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Loves us. And He has never changed. How do we respond to that name, Savior? Well, we let Him be our Savior. We trust Him to be our Savior. We are grateful. We love Him for it. I don't know if I've shared this. Um, I had a, an experience where God was very gracious to me when I was at college. And uh, <clears throat> we had a prayer day. And I was sitting at the back of the auditorium and all sorts of prayer was happening there and I was just trying to basically keep to myself and keep quiet. And so, and, and, uh, in an open prayer time, a Korean lady came out to pray. And she started praying in broken English this fiery prayer about faith, complaining that there was no faith or little faith, little faith in the churches, so little faith and little faith even in the pastors and, and, and this and that. And she was very fiery, but she was, came out of a burdened heart. You could feel it. And I was thinking, like, wow, she's a bit, you know, a bit strong, this lady. And suddenly, as all this was happening, the Lord just opened my eyes and let me see how much He loves the church. Just this incredible love and how little the church loves Him back. How little the church loves Him back. How little the church is actually really committed to Him. He is totally committed. Saviour. You know, to go to a cross, to even just take one of the spikes, six, six inch spikes through your hands, you need to be totally committed yes. to the other person. Yeah. He was totally committed. And how many of us are totally committed? That's the name Jesus. And that's how we re should respond. He is the bridegroom. The church is to be the bride. She is to love him the same way that the bridegroom has loved us. And many have. Throughout church history, there are people who have gone the whole way. I don't know, you know, some of us may be called to go the whole way as well. Give our lives for the Lord. But we are all called to give our lives for the Lord. <clears throat> the third part of the name is Christ. And Christ is the Greek version of the name Messiah. You probably know that. Your church is well taught. And Messiah or Christ means the same thing. It means anointed one. The one who has been filled with the Holy Spirit. The one who has got a ministry because he is filled with the Holy Spirit. 
the oil, of the anointing oil, the Holy Spirit. So Christ is actually, the name is associated with the Holy Spirit. In typical self-effacing manner, the Holy Spirit is behind that name. The Holy Spirit is more self-effacing. So there is the anointing. He is represented in the name Christ. He is the charisma which makes the anointing, which makes Jesus the Christ. <clears throat> without the anointing, you can't have an anointed one. Yeah? So Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, cannot, could not actually function in the ministry of the Messiah. Now, he was the Christ, <clears throat> and also Lord, designate when he was born. But he entered into the function and the ministry of the Christ at a particular point in his time in, in his life. <clears throat> Can we turn to that? <clears throat> and it was at his baptism when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter three, verse twenty-one to twenty-three. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. Wouldn't you want to have been there? Wouldn't you want to experience that? You know, I mean, we have to treasure the experiences that God gives us. And I'm sure that every one of you has got experiences, and sometimes we can forget them. Sometimes we have had enormous, uh, the enormous privilege of God touching, uh, reaching down and touching us in an incredible way, showing us things, giving us a vision, giving us a dream, speaking to us, just touching us all over in some way. We can forget that. Sometimes it's good to write these things down, look back, write them in a special book, and look back from time to time. And, uh, and remember what God has done. Who knows, there may have been some here who have seen an open heaven, have had these kind of things, these experiences. It's important to remember that. And important also to speak, uh, at least occasionally, about these things to your children or grandchildren. That they know that God is not just a name. He is not just. A, he is not a theory. He is not just something in books. He is real. So the heavens were opened while Jesus prayed. Wow, that's prayer. While he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, "You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased." Now, Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age. <clears throat> you see how the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the ministry are together. They happen, yeah? His ministry only starts when the Holy Spirit came upon him. There are some traditions in, in the Catholic Church and so on that Jesus, as a little child, made some dove, uh, clay doves and breathed on them and they fluttered away. Nonsense. None of that is in the Bible. Right? He started his ministry, including his miracles and all of that, at about age 30, after the Holy Spirit had come upon him. Because he did nothing in his own strength. He did nothing just because he was also God in the flesh. He had emptied himself of the power of God and he was now working only in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Christ is so important. 
because it made him the anointed one. The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing brings the power for a holy life, brings sanctification. For a person, Jesus didn't need sanctification, he was already sanctified. But it brings it also through the person, through Christ, the Holy Spirit worked in, in people's lives. Holy Spirit, the anointing is associated with change. It brings change in us. He brings change in us. He brings sanctification. And he brings change and through us as well, touching other people. You know? So in us and through us, he brings that change. Remember, he is associated with change just like Jacob was. How do we respond to that name, Christ? Well, we let him fill us. We endeavor to walk in the Spirit. We make ourselves available. We desire to be used by him. We desire to be close to him. Like Isaiah. You know, Isaiah, sometimes we need to go first through change, like Isaiah. Isaiah needed first the hot coal to touch his lips because he knew that was his problem. And sometimes we have a problem and God is working in our lives and he is wanting, sometimes he needs to bring a hot coal to touch that area of our lives, to burn it away so that the way is then free. And then afterwards, Isaiah has this consuming desire. Use me, Lord. Here I am. Here I am. Don't, don't forget me. <laughs> Suddenly, the change is tremendous. There is no more condemnation. Just like we heard today. No more condemnation. It was wiped away. There was this desire there. And God did indeed use him. That's how we respond to that name. We give ourselves unreservedly to Him and the ministry that comes through. Early church did all of that. And they bore the name themselves. They were called Christians. They were called by the name. Acts 11 verse 26. They were first called Christians in Antioch. There was so much there of the presence of God in them, through them. People recognized them, so they called them Christians. The ones who represented Christ. So that is what his name is. That brings us just about to the end. That's why, why his name is so important. His name represents the fullness of God, and it also represents how God works in our lives, and it challenges us to respond, to let Him be Lord, to let Him be Savior, to let Him fill us. That's why His name is so important. It's not to be used like a magic formula, like the seven sons of Sceva. I mean, we use the name of Christ, we command in the name of Christ, we pray in the name of Christ, we call on the name of Christ, but we've got to make sure that our lives are right, not like the son, seven sons of Sceva. Yeah. You know the story in Acts chapter 19, there were the seven sons of a Jewish priest whose name was Sceva, and they were exorcists that tried to drive out evil spirits. And so, because obviously there was a very difficult case, and they, 
Therefore, well, we don't quite have enough power. Well, we see that power in Paul, and we see that power in the Christians. So they, they said to the, spoke to the spirit in the man who was possessed. He said, uh, in the name of, uh, you know, that Christ that Paul is preaching and so on, um, we, we command you to go out. And the spirit said, Paul, I know. Christ, I know. But you, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> right? So our lives have to be lined up and really, as much as possible, represent God, represent Christ, represent Jesus. Otherwise, the use of the name is hypocrisy. God wants us to know his name, wants us to know the fullness of the Son and the, Holy, the Father, the Son and Holy Spirit. He wants us to know his power. He wants us to represent this name also well in our own lives. And out of that, God wants us to use this name for his glory. It is still the only name that saves. There's no other name. We are privileged to be called by God to do so. So let us do it in a manner worthy of him. In a manner worthy of him. Let's pray. <clears throat> Let's have our eyes closed and heads bowed. The time to respond to God is when He speaks to us. When we know He has spoken to us, we don't have to make it up. God has spoken to you in any way that you feel that needs a response. Then I encourage you to just take and have a few seconds of silence, take that time to speak to God right now and respond in the way that God challenges you to respond. Maybe letting it be Lord. Some areas of your life. It may be letting him be Savior and trust and love the Lord or Christ and change you or bring more power into your ministry. Finally, if there's somebody here who has never given their hearts to the Lord, never actually made Him Lord of your lives, Lord and Savior, can I encourage you uh, to do that now? Thank you for this word. Thank you for it.
Christ, we thank you for what you've done in and through him. And Lord, for the amazing love that you have for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.